50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Anne. Nothing like coming off of a Kim and Pete breakup episode and going directly into a Chloe and Lamar recap. I think it actually helped because I think I'm so upset about Chloe and Lamar that I've almost gotten past the Kim and Pete breakup. <laughs> I know. And we knew this was going to happen. We mentally prepared ourselves for it last week and it just hit me hard. They were so, so, so in love. I mean, they were soulmates. I always say that. And we focused so much on their relationship and how great it was and how much we loved it. I think that I lost sight of the fact that I also loved Lamar as a person. I forgot how kind and sweet he was. I know, especially because a lot of the times our memory is, I think, really clouded by what ended up happening, which really was a kind of tragic ending to what was a really beautiful love story, first of all. But second of all, I think the thing about Lamar is that With the exception of Scott, the Kardashian partners or spouses don't typically give us this much airtime. Even with Tristan, he was willing to be involved. He would do a confessional, but it wasn't like an entire Chloe and Tristan show. With Kanye, his involvement was very minimal. Tyga was relatively involved, but Travis, not at all. Kendall and Devin, not really at all. And so to get such an understanding of one of their spouses isn't really the norm for them. No, but I will say that for all of the wrong reasons, I bet you anything that Tristan would have done a spinoff. You mean if Chloe wanted to? Yeah. Yeah. He he a thousand percent would have. That feeds into his whole complex, though, of, you know, appealing as charming as physically possible. And I think that's why he liked the camera time. Oh, I think he loved it. Before we recap these episodes, you want to just spend a few minutes on what Kanye posted after we had already recorded the Kim and Pete episode? Yeah, I think we should. I mean, we wake up first thing this morning after already recording the episode, having it sent to our producer, to Kanye posting a photo of a Photoshop New York Times front page that says Skeet Davidson dead at age 28. And below it in very small writing, Kid Cudi meant to play funeral, but fearful of bottle throwers. Obviously, that was a reference to Kid Cudi walking off the stage of Rolling Loud Miami last month after Kanye fans were throwing water bottles at him. Never a dull moment with this guy. No, never. I'm actually really curious as to whether or not Kanye found out about this through the media or if Kim gave him a heads up. That's actually a question that I shockingly hadn't thought of. I didn't until just now. What do you think? Honestly, I I don't know because I know... Everything about Kim's personality would probably suggest that she would give him a heads up, but there's almost a part of me that feels like she didn't. I I don't know. I I feel like it's probable that another member of the family could have told him, 
like maybe Travis texted him or I, I don't know. But there's something telling me that Kim didn't feel the need to run to Kanye to warn him before it got out. That's kind of how I feel. Like, why does she need to give him the courtesy of something that really has nothing to do with him and that his involvement in has only been chaotic and caused her emotional distress? But side note for a second, what you just said about maybe another member of the family, that is one of the questions I am the most curious about, which is what is Kanye's current relationship with the rest of the family? Because I would say the most recent insight we got is in last season of The Kardashians when he came over to the house that morning and Chloe and Tristan were working out in the gym and he was cordial with them. He was getting along no problem. I wouldn't say they were as close as they used to be, but I do really wonder that, you know, with the exception of Travis, is he in at all constant communication with the family? And my answer is like a very strong no. I would say he's definitely not in constant communication with any of them. It would not surprise me in the slightest if every so often him and Chris had communication with each other. Don't forget that him and Courtney had a really good relationship for a while there. Yeah, they did, but not enough to withstand this. I think that there's the possibility that Kanye, like every so often, asks Chris for advice on something. Right. I mean, even in the midst of when Kanye was really coming for them, he always maintained that he has a lot of respect for Chris's intelligence and her business sense and who she is kind of as a businesswoman. But wait, you remember that scene where they're all sitting at Kim's kitchen table and she basically says to them, I want to apologize that I ever allowed someone to treat you guys like this. And I promise that will never happen again. That was telling. I I forgot about that until this moment. That's the conversation that makes me know they're never getting back together. Yeah. You know, even some of the response to our episode today, I mean, people's thoughts are all over the place and understandably so because who's to know? I don't think any of us really know. But a decent amount of people really could see a Kanye rekindling. And I, at risk of looking really stupid if it happens, 0% part of me could see it. It's not even like for a split second I consider it. Like that ship has sailed so far. That ship is in another fucking country as far as I'm concerned. Oh, I mean, me too. I think that if you think that it hasn't, you haven't been paying close enough attention to the details of what's going on, or you don't give Kim enough credit. Not to say that people can't heal through things together, but I think the level of betrayal she felt from him was traumatizing for her because the number one thing that Kim prioritizes, or I should say one of the things she prioritizes the most is that loyalty, which we've spoken about at nauseum. And you know, at the end of the day, they always really did have a very legitimate sense of loyalty to one another. And I think he ruined that. When he started to hit below the belt and really reveal things that she kind of just assumed were under the umbrella of things that would never be revealed, I think it's irreversible. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that it took her a while to admit that to herself. I mean, the conversation, of course, where they're sitting at the table and Kim apologizes to the family and says that she's sorry that she ever kind of allowed Kanye to treat them in that way. And then on top of that, the conversation with Kim and Chloe, where Kim says, if people really knew what was going on behind closed doors, like, They would be shocked that it lasted this long. And I think with both of those things, it took a lot for Kim to admit them out loud. I think it's a whole other level when you admit those things on camera. 
Well, yeah, because then you automatically lose the ability to rewrite history. Not to say she ever divulged too much that we know, you know, the real intimate details. But from what she has alluded to, we know enough that to me, if you've been following her for a long time, you know there's no shot. And and by the way, as I said to you earlier today, one thing about this family, some crazy shit happens. So technically, it's possible. I would just be floored. I would be floored too. I I don't think that there's a part. Here's the way that I I view the relationship with Kim and Kanye. I didn't view it once we started to find out the details as a situation where Kim was trying so hard to make it work because she was so in love and she couldn't quit him and she kept going back to him. I think that our understanding now is very much like for the sake of the kids and for the sake of making a marriage work, she tried as hard as humanly possible and it just wasn't working. And so now that she is going through divorce proceedings and seeing Kanye on the other side of the marriage, all that did was solidify for her that she was a hundred percent right in her decision. I mean, that's what they say, right? Like it says a lot about a person when you're dating them, but even more how they act during the breakup. And that is Kanye to a T here. Well, yeah, it's easy to be good when things are good. But when the going gets rough, that's the most telling time of a person. If they're going to maintain that level of respect for you, both publicly and privately, that they had in the good times. And Kanye just proved that when it comes down to it, his ego comes first. His ego comes above any respect for his wife and the mother of his children. And to me, that's not something he can take back. No, you can't take that back. And there is always the possibility or there maybe was the possibility where had they split and Kanye really worked on himself and really, you know, kept his mouth shut throughout this whole thing and treated Kim with a lot of respect that Kim would have said like, okay, maybe we can give this another shot. But all hope of that was completely gone with the way that Kanye treated her after divorce papers were served. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so... I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. 
Now, the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. I think I meant to say this on the Kim and Pete episode and then forgot to, but what you just said reminded me. In the conversation that we were having about who she may date next, which as we discussed is kind of an impossible one to have, I think an element that can't really be ignored is that I'm sure there's some fear in that with her because here she finally, after going through this really rough divorce or actively going through this really rough divorce, she finally took a chance and put out to the public that she was really dating this guy and she was so in love and so happy and Kanye just couldn't let her have it. I mean, he really put her and Pete through the ringer and in the process involved the entire public. So I think for her, as if she didn't already have enough pressure being Kim Kardashian and dating someone publicly, now on top of it, she has to worry about whether or not her ex-husband is going to basically wage a social war on this person. Well, that was a huge point of the conversation that we were having where we were saying like, if Pete was going to be out because of the media circus that it created, he would have been out long ago. Like he would have been out at the very start of this relationship. And on top of that, that point that you just said also stands like if it was that the relationship was too difficult for Pete, he would have been out in the beginning when it was the Kanye stuff too. It actually really leads me to believe that the idea that it just fizzled is the cause of the breakup. Like, I think that not only Pete being away caused the dust to settle, but the drama started to settle. And I think they really thrived together off of what they were creating. And as we all kind of got used to them, I think that it removed that element of the relationship for them. I don't know because I hear that. And as you're talking, I can nod and listen to what you're saying and really consider that as a possibility. But there's something in my mind that's like, there is no way this just fizzled. And I don't think anything terrible or dramatic happened necessarily. But this sounds so bad because it makes Pete sound bad. And I so don't mean to do that. To me, like if I'm being my most honest, I feel it's like Kim woke up one day and was like, this was so fun. I adore this man. I think he's a great person. I think that he will be a great husband and father, but this is just not going to be my forever. And I think I got to let him go gracefully because he's fallen real hard. Not to say she didn't fall hard. I think she was totally in love with him, but I feel like it served its purpose First for her, and probably he'll reflect and he'll say for him too, because it wasn't long term. And we said that from the beginning, but then we slowly started to like question ourselves. Like, yes, yes, no, yes. Like, I, I don't know because what you're saying does make sense to me. But then I think about the fact of like, I don't think Kim just woke up one day and was like, okay, I got to let this guy go. It's not like this obviously isn't long term. I mean, she allowed him to not only meet her kids, but like form a relationship with them. And I think that there was a part of her that thought that this was possibly endgame as well. And so I don't think it was just this wake up one day, I just realized this isn't what I want sort of thing. I think it had to have 
taken place over the course of time. Maybe not that much time because they haven't been dating that long. And from what we've seen within the past month, they were in a really good place. But at least a little bit of passage of time to allow maybe both of them to kind of see that. I don't know. Well, yeah, no. I mean, listen, what we were saying in yesterday's episode about how when she was doing press for season one Kardashians and she said, you know, yeah, she could see a world in which she has as many kids as Chris. I think that when she said it, she believed it. That's why when you say, you know, she allowed him to meet her kids, I don't think any of that was done with a thought in the back of her mind of like, oh, there's no way this is going to happen. I completely agree that she genuinely considered a future with him for sure. I think she was like love struck. I just think that what happened was the distance didn't make the heart grow fonder. I think the distance allowed for clarity. And I, the reason I like get upset with myself as I'm saying this is because it makes it sound like Pete is inherently non-desirable. And I do not view that to be the case at all. I really, really don't. I think he's a total catch. And clearly there is something about the way he makes women feel that is highly desirable. It's just the two of them together long-term, I it wasn't sustainable, right? Like, I don't feel like we're rewriting history here because I loved them together. I was so on board, but it wasn't like we were ever, you know what? Fuck it. This is it. No, we weren't. Of course we weren't. That's the conversation that we keep having. I it, I, I, don't know. This, this relationship was like a little bit more complex than what we ever expected it to be. And therefore the breakup is also naturally going to be that way. The way that I kind of feel about it is that I think that Pete loved being that person for Kim after the divorce. Like, it feels weird to say about Kim because it seems like she'd be the least person to ever represent this ideology. But it almost was like Pete had this like, oh, I can fix her type thing, which is typically what we would say the other way around. And not that Kim needs to be, quote, fixed. But I think that Pete loved taking on that role of like, I am the person that's swooping in after the divorce and I'm going to teach her, you know, what it's like to be appreciated and loved again. And I think he was away and time passed and mainly because of distance and because of his work schedule, he couldn't be that for her anymore. And I think that's when they realized like, okay, we're going to go our separate ways here. Well, if we wanted to go by that logic for one second, and I know we're totally hypothesizing here, like who knows? If you are going down that thought process, then it really does lend a little bit more to the argument about a potential reconciliation, which I know we talked about in yesterday's episode. I still don't see that in the cards. But if that were the case, then okay, bring them back together, put them in the same city, and maybe there could be a rekindling. I just think that I really agree with you in terms of the point of, for him, knowing that he was providing Kim Kardashian with such a sense of stability, that must have been so rewarding for him. Oh, I, I mean, I could only imagine. It's like allowing me to a little bit reframe my thinking on their relationship because I think now in retrospect, that was such a huge aspect of it. And I could see Pete based on his personality and everything we know about that, finding that incredibly rewarding. That like to me, when everyone describes Pete and, you know, one of the things that happened is that when Kanye was really posting up a storm on social media, a lot of people came to Pete's defense and a lot of people spoke to his character and his character very much aligns with the type of person that would 
seek a lot of pleasure and enjoyment out of being that for somebody else. I also think that based on what he's revealed about, you know, his past struggles in terms of his mental health, he has relied on people for that stability, which I mean, there's nothing wrong with that's what we do as as humans. Hopefully you can only be so lucky to have good people around you that you can rely on in those times. So I think to then be at a place in his life where he can actually serve the role that maybe at a point he was only on the other end of, that's also, you know, rewarding in and of itself. Yeah, I think so. Also, just to circle back to the Kanye post things, I don't think we ever tied that up. He had posted it and then deleted it. And according to Daily Mail, Kim may have been the reason he took it down. And while the whole thing was happening, a source close to Kim told Daily Mail, quote, Kim won't stand for this. She's demanding that Kanye take the post down, but he won't. She's been vigorously defending Pete. She'll never get back together with Kanye over the way he's treated the people she loves and respects. She tried incredibly hard to have a good co-parenting situation for the children. She won't stand for this type of behavior from him. It's exactly what we said. I mean, who knows who this source is for the Daily Mail or if there is a source, take the Daily Mail with a grain of salt. But yeah. It is so interesting that like, that like amidst Kanye posting this like incredibly inappropriate, disgusting thing in response to his ex-wife's breakup, we are also simultaneously discussing the fact that Kim posted both the Yeezy shades and the incredible shirt. The incredible shirt is more cryptic and may not mean anything, but the Yeezy shades are directly in support of him. And of course, I know there's that argument of like, well, anything that supports Kanye supports their kids and it's only beneficial, but her posting in those glasses as a grid post is like more supportive than need be. That's what I'm saying though. It's like, if you are Kanye, how are you continuously testing this woman to her limits? You know, like, and she still continues to take the highest of roads and then boom, this is how he returns the favor. It is so deeply flawed. I think there is always going to be a piece of Kim though. And I don't know if this is right to say, but I think there is always going to be a piece of Kim that loves Kanye for being Kanye West. Absolutely. I think regardless of the way that he's treated her, treated her family, treated people that she loves, there's always a part of her that will view him as the icon that she viewed him as when they first met, you know, and his influence on art and music and culture. That's never, ever lost on her. And if anything, that's maybe one of the reasons that's allowed her to act how she has, because even if she may not respect him on a personal one-to-one level, she respects the idea of him almost. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which In my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. 
It's an intuitive process, so you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, and it's convenient, so desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline, and it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comms by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile It helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Okay, we are going back to April 2011, the premiere of season one of Chloe and Lamar. (laughs) We're living in a whole other universe here. You know, it really feels like a whole other show too. Yes. Didn't you feel like it was so fast moving? I think what it was is that it was a whole new cast. It was a whole new cast. It was Chloe, Lamar, Robin, Malika, and Jamie. That was the crew. Right, whereas like... Obviously, this is not the first spinoff that we've watched and recapped, but all of the other ones have just been the main character components. Like it was Chloe, Courtney, and Scott in Miami. It was Kim and Courtney and Scott in Miami. It was Kim and Courtney and Scott in New York. And like everything was so familiar. This is like, where are all of these other people coming from? I know, but somehow it just worked perfectly. And that's really the thing that I was thinking about where it's like, Yes, obviously, whoever Chloe married, they would need to be comfortable with the limelight to a certain extent, even if they weren't a celebrity themselves, or even if they were a celebrity themselves, they would need to know that with that is going to come a lot of fame and a lot of cameras. But that person wouldn't necessarily have a natural presence for reality television. I do think that that's a very specific skill set. And Lamar was so good at it. Like Aside from just being a really kind-hearted person that was a joy to watch. He really got how to do it. Even in his confessional, you know, you can tell when he does his confessionals, he kind of bends over. And to me, it's such a signal of vulnerability. You know, he's really comfortable. He's just sitting there talking to the camera as if he's talking to anyone. Lamar had no issue being vulnerable. And that's why he worked on the show. You know what? The way that I felt watching Lamar was that like, he was so happy and excited to be on the show and not because he was excited to like be on reality television or excited like for the attention or the Kardashian adjacency. I felt like he was just excited to be a part of something. It was like being on, it was like being on the Lakers for him. It was just like another team for him to join. 
Yeah, and the other thing you have to remember is that he was an only child. He lost his mother. He lost his grandmother. He didn't have a good relationship with his dad. He didn't have siblings. So all of a sudden, you're entering the Kardashians, which is such a packed family. And I think, you know, even just the addition of having a brother and Rob, that was also so exciting for him. The family aspect, you're 100% right. Like when I mean team, you're right. I mean family. He, he took to that so well. And something that I noticed that I loved that I don't think I picked up the first time watching it is that I loved watching the way Lamar dealt with different situations. Like he was just so calm. Everything was just so chill. He handled everything that he needed to handle. It was just such a joy to watch him on my screen. So we ended up watching the first three episodes for this. I wouldn't say they're necessarily all packed with substance. Like, it's not the easiest show to have a podcast about because you have to watch multiple episodes in order for there to be enough to discuss. But there was definitely, you know, quality dynamics in each. And the first was really centered around Lamar's relationship with his dad, Joe, and how it's been strained over the years. And you're basically seeing here are Chloe and Courtney at one of their book signings and in comes Lamar's dad unannounced. And he has this whole conversation with Chloe where he basically kind of asks her if he can have tickets to one of Lamar's games. Chloe's in a very uncomfortable position. She doesn't really know what to say, had never really spent time with Lamar's dad before, in the moment says yes. And later when she goes home and tells Lamar about this, he kind of reveals to her that him and his dad have a pretty strict rule that he's not welcome at any of the games because there was an incident back in the day that really caused a lot of stress. And in general, their relationship has been very strained. And so you're basically watching Chloe and Lamar, who have not known each other for very long, navigate this very, very tricky dynamic of how to handle his father. And it was so against Chloe's personality to... I don't want to say to not appease the dad because I wouldn't say necessarily Chloe is a people pleaser, but she really thrives on making people feel comfortable. And I think in the moment, she thought there was nothing that she could do to make him feel more comfortable than, of course, welcome him to a game. And then she's the one that now has to backtrack on that because Lamar's like, you don't know how we do things around here. And that's basically not chill. It was like kind of a wild plot. It was. And what you were really seeing here was the first time that they were having marital issues. I mean, and not that they hadn't up until this point, they'd been married for, I don't know, what was it? A couple of months, a year at this point, but you hadn't seen it on the show because they weren't the focus. And so now you're really seeing the first time that they're having to navigate these real world issues together. And you're also seeing the differences in their background really coming to light. And so the main thing in this episode in terms of Lamar dealing with his father and Chloe's real lack of an understanding about that is that Chloe's experience with her parents and Chloe's experience growing up didn't give her any sort of insight into a relationship where a father could be so, um, so taking advantage of their child in the way that Lamar's father was seemingly doing to him. In Chloe's eyes, Lamar's father wanting to have a relationship with him was just about a parent-son relationship. And that was something that she, of course, had a soft spot for. And so what happens here is that Lamar really opens her up to, no, this is where I'm from. This is what my life has been like. This is what my upbringing was like. And this is something that you can't understand unless you've been in it. And once she really sees that fully on display, she has a complete switch in understanding as to, I think, who Lamar is. Yeah, and these were really core elements of his personality. But because they did everything in kind of a reversed order, she was finding out, 
almost who he was through handling these very you know, difficult dynamics early on. Typically, you would think that if you're marrying someone, you have a better understanding of their upbringing and kind of how that now contributes to who they are as a person. But everything was so rushed that she was learning it kind of on the fly. It was like very, very interesting. And and to your other point, obviously, Chloe grew up in a very privileged situation. But in addition to the financial privilege and what came with that, you're right. She never knew from a strained relationship with parents because her parents gave her nothing but just an abundance of love. And I could really relate when she was saying, you know, I lost my dad and all I want is to be able to say one more thing to him. And so I can't understand how someone could have their father and not want to do everything in their power to maintain a relationship. And like, I've, I've noticed myself at times after losing my mom, having that thought process quickly, if I know someone that's not getting along with their mom and like, you really have to snap out of it because it's entirely unfair to like put everything in that context just because you are personally longing for something. I think it's healthy to like have perspective about it, but just because you wish that you still had that parent, it doesn't take away from someone else's struggle that they're having with their parent, even if they're alive, you know? Oh my God. Of course. I, I completely understand that. I also think one of the joys of this episode, to go back to the relationship with just Chloe and Lamar for a second, is that the way that they handled things together for having only been married for such a short period of time, I found myself being like so impressed with the calmness and the communication between the two of them. Like this situation was probably the most sensitive thing in Lamar's life, like his relationship with his father was something that he had set very, very strict boundaries of. And even though Chloe was put in an uncomfortable position and didn't really know what to do, she really attempted to push those boundaries. And that is a situation where Lamar easily could have just lost it. And instead of losing it, he just calmly was like, "You, here's the situation. Here's how I feel. You got to fix it. And it was fixed. It was just... It was so not what we were used to seeing with Courtney and Scott. Yeah, I mean, no one makes Scott look worse than Lamar in these early days, that's for sure. And you're right. I think that what was so appreciated in terms of the way Lamar handled it was like he had the awareness to say, you don't know what you don't know. And how could she possibly know this? Like, we literally have not had the amount of time together for her to understand all of these different dynamics in my family. So how could I be mad at her for something that she wasn't even fully informed on. And like, I felt he did a really good job of gently and patiently informing her while still standing really firm in how he felt. Yes. And we also saw that in episode two in a way where the real plot of that episode was the relationship between Chloe, Lamar, and Lamar's best friend, Jamie, and kind of navigating the boundaries there. And it was a very similar situation where Lamar had to be that middleman. Lamar had to be the one kind of navigating that, but did so very calmly and very confidently. And with the understanding of like who both those people were in his life and how to best approach them individually. And also something that I really appreciated was that he never questioned whether or not Chloe had his best interest at heart. He never questioned whether or not this was coming from a jealous place or a territorial place. He knew that Chloe would only be saying this if she felt like it was genuinely negatively impacting him. Forget about her. Yeah, clearly it put a slight strain on the relationship, but it's like he had such confidence in her character and her devotion to him that 
he never had to question her motive because if he was questioning her motive, then that brings with it a whole other set of things. He was really focused on like, all right, this is a difficult situation and let's handle it. And not perfectly at times, but at least the foundation was was laid clearly. Oh, definitely. I mean, listen, that was the joy of the show was that this was their first year of marriage. That's what made the show what it was. It wasn't always going to be perfect, but to watch them really navigate that was to me like the hook of the show. Right. And basically what transpires in this episode for anyone who's not watching along with us is we're introduced to Lamar's childhood best friend, Jamie. They met years ago at basketball camp and they've really been brothers ever since. And so Chloe is starting to understand their relationship a little more. And she sees that maybe Jamie's kind of mooching off of Lamar in a way. And not that Lamar isn't aware of it, but you know, Chloe famously says that when she first met Lamar, he was paying rent for 20 people. He was paying 30 people's phone bills. And she kind of had to put a stop to it to say, you know, what happens when you're no longer making the salary you're making now and you have all these people relying on you? And so, for example, one of the things that her and Malika realize is Lamar has this t-shirt company, Rich Soil. Jamie's kind of supposed to be running it. And they go online to look at it and they see everything is sold out. He's really not taking it seriously. And Basically, you see throughout the episode how Chloe confronts him, and it's definitely a little bit sticky and a little bit complicated because him and Lamar have a very certain dynamic that they've gotten used to, but something's got to change, and she's kind of making sure that happens. But this episode was released 2011, and four years later, in 2015, Jamie died from a bacterial infection from IV drug use. And at the time, I remember, and I vividly remember this, obviously, we had to look it up to pull this quote. But when he died, a source had told Us Weekly, quote, Lamar is beside himself. This is the worst tragedy. He feels like it could have happened to him. This is a huge wake-up call for him. It's really shaken him. And Lamar's overdose occurred October 2015. So just a few months after Jamie died, did Lamar overdose? I'm not saying they're entirely connected, but I have to imagine that the heartbreak he experienced was potentially a catalyst. I I remember thinking so at the time. And I also believe that Lamar had another friend who died within the same sort of time frame that Jamie did. I I have to say, watching these episodes and kind of revisiting Lamar's background and all that he's been through, it definitely gave me a very different look at Lamar, both because I watched this show and I was reminded about just loving him as a person, But also, I mean, even in those first two episodes, like you can see his struggles and what he's been through and what he will go through so clearly on display. It was like, here was a man providing for everybody in his life, trying so hard to give everything that he had to everybody else, trying so hard to take care of his father, who was an addict, who couldn't really take care of him, take care of his friend, Jamie, and for Lamar to have lost Jamie and also, you know, kind of turn to that same life of addiction that his father struggled with, it was just heartbreaking. I mean, Lamar has been through a lot. He lost his mother when he was 12. He lost his grandmother who raised him. He he suffered the loss of a child. I mean, Lamar really has been through it. And so there's a lot that can be said about what Lamar put Chloe through. And it's not that that necessarily has to be forgiven, of course, but there is definitely a very different understanding there in terms of unpacking that situation. Well, I think that 
those things can kind of coexist. You know, what he put Chloe through is something that she should have never been put through at the same time. A lot of the issues that he experienced in his life were really tragic, and you can understand how he ended up in the place that he ended up. It doesn't make it any better for Chloe just because you can maybe understand it. It's still terrible. She still has, I'm sure, a lot of trauma from that. But I can't help it. I have a lot of empathy for the guy. I, I don't believe that he is a bad person. I really don't. I, I think that he had the card stacked against him, and I think that he, all things considered, for a long time, did his best to remain in a really good place, and then shit hit the fan and he couldn't do it anymore. But I, I don't think it was for a a lack of being a good person. Like I, no part of me, and we've had this discussion a million times, it's not even worth comparing, but if we're just talking about Chloe's relationships, yes, Tristan and Lamar both at the end of the day, put her through hell. But to me, my money's on Lamar any day of the week in terms of who's a better human being. Oh, I mean, of course. And you see it in these episodes, like the way that Chloe describes Lamar is that if Lamar had 50 cents, he'd give you 49. She says that in the episode. And you saw that so clearly on display. It was like he was pulled in a million different directions trying to help every single person in his life. And it gave him such a joy to be able to do so. And I think that at a certain point, his past kind of caught up with him or his demons caught up with him. But I think he hurt Chloe because he was a very hurt individual. I don't think he hurt Chloe because he took any sort of enjoyment in that. Whereas with Tristan, I can't necessarily say he took enjoyment in hurting Chloe, but it was definitely a more conscious hurting of her than I think Lamar was doing. Yeah. I mean, that's my perspective for sure. Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. 
It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. I have to say two unrelated things about Instagram. Is that okay with you? Yeah, of course. Okay, first of all, Lala, you need to look at her post. Can we story this? She looks actually like, holy shit. Is it from the Beyonce Renaissance party? Is that what it is when she's in that black outfit? You guys will see it because we're going to post that on our story. Or if if not, just go to her most recent post. When she's in the black – how gorgeous does she look? And look at her She looks insane. She looks insane. I mean, you know I'm the biggest Lala fan. What, what do you mean? We share that. We share that entirely. The best friend group in Hollywood, the absolute best friend group is Lala, Sierra, and Vanessa. And then also kind of adjacent to that because Kim and Lala are so close is how that groups together. I think that Sierra is one of the greatest people to walk this planet and I'll stand by that any day of the week. I know you will. And every time you go on that rant, I, I just nod. I completely agree with you. Wait, can I story this all in comments? No caption? Yeah, of course. Should I do it with a crown or just regular? You can do a crown. Yeah. Why the, why the fuck not, right? Wait, the other thing I wanted to say is, did you see Kylie's giveaway post that she just did with the enter for 70000 you know? I can't. I can't understand what she could get out of it because you can't tell me that she needs the money. It's so upsetting to me. I, I don't. I think I, I get irrationally frustrated by it for something that impacts me so minimally. Like the advice that I would give to literally anyone else that would get annoyed by something like that would be just fucking scroll. You don't have to look at it. Just scroll. If it bothers you, don't look. It's just the principle of it is something that I am so deeply perplexed by. And I get it. Maybe she gets a million dollars from this. And so how easy is it to say, you wouldn't do something like that for a million. But to me, it's like when you have that much money, get a million from somewhere else. Not something that to me, just like makes you look so bad. I don't know. It's so confusing. It'll never not be confused. Like when Scott does it, that's fine. That is perfectly on brand. Let Scott do that all day long. The only thing that I can even imagine is that this is actually like Scott is the one behind it and therefore they're doing it like as almost a favor to him. That's the only thing that would make sense to me. Yeah, that it's kind of like the Kim quotes that we were talking about. That's almost the theory that I have to believe. And honestly, I can kind of get over it with Kylie because I don't really put her on a pedestal in my head. Whereas like if, when Kim in the rare moments that she does it, I have to believe it's Scott because no way Kim would do it if it wasn't Scott, you know? I do put Kylie on a pedestal. Is that wrong? No, I don't think it's wrong. I just don't, but that's... I mean, listen, obviously I'm I'm fascinated with her as like a celebrity and and her influence on pop culture, but 
to me, it's like Kim's in a whole other category. I think maybe it's like Kim as a human being, as a person is on a pedestal and like Kylie as a pop culture figure is. Mm -hmm. That's possible. And then I guess in addition to Kim also as a pop culture person. Yeah. I mean, of course that goes with the whole package. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what else would we do if we weren't analyzing the level of pedestals at 1054 on a Monday night? I seriously am? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's so bizarre that like this has become our, <laughs> our life. <laughs> All right. Anything else that you would like to mention? I think that's it for today, kid. Okay, I think that's it as well. Isabel and I will see you on Friday for our Bravo episode. And we love you guys. Thank you for letting us do this. Thank you.